Hello and welcome. We are on the Revival Road with evangelist Chance Walters. If you are new to the podcast, each week we will upload a new message taken from one of our ministry opportunities from all over the world. Our prayer is that the Word of God would challenge you and change you, conforming you into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For more information, to give or to send in prayer requests, go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. And now, here is evangelist Chance Walters. We hope you enjoy the program. At a meeting of Baptist leaders in the late 1700s, a newly ordained minister stood to argue for the value of overseas missions. He was abruptly interrupted by an older minister who said, Young man, you need to sit down right now. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consorting you or me. Imagine this, that such an attitude is inconceivable today. This is largely due to the efforts of a young man by the name of William Carey the father of modern-day missions. This is who I want to talk about today. Just for a few minutes as we continue our summer series on the fathers of our faith. William Carey was God's general in his day. He was raised in Middle England in a very obscure village. He was a cobbler. He worked in a shoe shop. He was converted as a young man. He was raised in the Church of England, but he, he was grafted into the Baptist church, and he got touched one night, and God spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you in a faraway land. So he started learning different languages, Greek, Hebrew, Latin, um, Bengali, um, the Indian languages, he, 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 he ultimately translated the Bible in over 209 different dialects and languages at the end of his life. He was brilliant. He was passionate. He was an educator. He was a social reformer. God used this man, really from the middle of nowhere, and gave him international impact even in the late 1700s until now his life is still leaving a legacy see it doesn't matter who you are where you came from your education your accolade your family lineage god can touch your life and when his hand comes upon your heart and leaves an impression You have no other choice but to leave the same impression in the life of others. And this is what William Carey did. He said, I can persevere to any definite pursuit. See, William Carey broke out of his bubble and he went to a place 
that no man had ever been before. See, we know that the Apostle Thomas was the first one to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Southeast Asia, ultimately India, and he was um, martyred for his faith in that nation. But secondly, we see William Carey, a man that heard a call from God, and he was impressed very early on by the Moravian missionaries with their prayer and their heart to evangelize the earth. And then he quickly was dismayed at his fellow Protestants' lack of mission interest. And in response, he penned his greatest work entitled An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of Heathens. I quote, you can look up that essay as it literally went around the world and spurred Protestants to begin to preach the gospel with passion outside of their sphere of influence. And he argued that Jesus' great commission applied to all Christians at all times. And he castigated fellow believers of his day for ignoring this fact. I quote, Multitudes sit at ease and give themselves no concern about the far greater part of their fellow sinners who to this day are lost in ignorance and idolatry. End of quote. But Carey didn't stop there. In 1792, he organized a missionary society. And at its inaugural meeting, he preached his famous sermon with the call out of Isaiah chapter 54. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And within a year, Carey, his family, boarded a ship. Him and his wife and his three boys. He had a daughter who died at two. And then he had a, another child on the way when they boarded the ship for southeast Asia. So we see a stranger in a strange land. So Carrie sadly underestimated what it would cost to live in India. So his early years were miserable. They, they struggled financially. Um, he, he, he sunk into a season of short depression. His wife literally lost her mind because his oldest son died of dysentery when they, when they got to India. And so here he is. His life is spinning radically out of control. And I quote, he said, I am, a, I am in a strange land. I have no Christian friend, I have a large family, and nothing to supply our needs. But I stand and say, I have God, and with Him, I have everything. And so he began to use what he had. He had a passion to learn language. So he started a school, small group meetings. And what the devil meant for evil, God turned around for the good, it forced William Carey to tap into the spirit of perseverance. He had to dig his heels in. He burnt the plows. He burnt the bridges. He didn't have anything. He didn't have anything to go back to. He didn't have enough money to go back to to England. So here he is with his family and with his means, with his gift, and with his calling. And so. 
Carey started translating the Bible into the different India dialects. And in October of 1799, things finally turned around. He baptized his first convert after seven years, Krishna Paul. Two months later, he published his first Bengali New Testament. And then lastly, he planted a church and things started snowballing and he caught traction. And over the next 28 years, he translated the Bible into 209 different languages and dialects. And he sought social reform in India and his fingerprints are still there today. Think about this. He spent 41 years in India without a furlough. His mission could only count about 700 converts in a nation of millions. But now he has laid a foundation of faith for us moving forward. His, his legacy is left with a worldwide missionary movement that, that touched people like Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, uh, um, um, Adaron Judson, amongst others. His words, expect great things, attempt great things, still ring in the Spirit today. The extended commentary for Protestants is still speaking in our hearts. See, William Carey had incredible perseverance in the midst of overcoming odds. And despite personal hardship, Kerry sparked a missions movement that has been carried throughout the line of Christian missionary heroes to disciple makers today. Who was this man? He was a, a man who fathered modern day missions. He was the first missionary to India after Thomas. He was known for being a shoemaker, a pastor, a founder of English Baptist Missionary Society. He was a botanist, a cultural anthropologist, an educator, an author, a social reformer. He was the first to bring a printing press to India. See, William Carey believed that the great commission of Matthew 28, 18 was a binding command on every generation of Christians. This is what he believed. And I quote, he said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. So help us, God. To know the will of God, we need an open Bible and an open road map. You have been speaking about William Carey, but he said, when I'm gone, say nothing about William Carey. Speak only about William Carey's Savior. See, Jesus carried William Carey to the end. And this is what we could learn from his life. Because he's often trumpeted as the greatest missionary since the time of the first apostles. Universally described as the snowflake that began the avalanche behind sending missionaries around the world. Think about it for a second. In America... The historical trajectory of your understanding of reaching people outside of your home 
with the love and hope of the gospel is probably rooted in the missional movement that William Carey began in the late 1700s at 32 years of age in 1793 when he embarked with this missiological thought to leave England and to go to India. Nobody had heard of this. See, once the apostles died, the enemy came in with legalism and religiosity and complacency, and and he quenched the spirit and tried to keep people in their homes, in their recliners, tried to burn the bridges, if you will, from different cultures. But William Carey watered this seed and the Holy Spirit fanned the flame. And here we are today with the supreme example of a foreign missionary. And I want to leave you with this question. As we face an, as we face a historical obstacle in the church today trying to reach people because Things are changing. We have to ask ourselves this question. What can we learn from William Carey's international ministry that might help us bring the gospel to those around us locally, starting at Jerusalem, reaching to Judea, ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world? What can we learn? Three things really quick. Persistence over perfection. If William Carey was anything, he was tenaciously persistent. After decades of influential ministry, Ray Ortland was once asked, Pastor, what type of ministry does the Lord seem to bless the most? And after a short delay, he responded, the persistent kind. And that's true. Carey's life is a testimony to this truth. He was tenaciously persistent. Persistent, And in India, he would bury two wives, three kids. He spent numerous months in jail. Most people don't know. He fought sickness. He struggled with dysentery. He battled malaria. He went into bouts of depression. He endured extreme loneliness. He faced disappointments. He suffered tremendous loss in countless ways. He would not see his first convert to Christianity for the first seven years. But in the next 34 years in India, 41 years total, God would use Kerry to establish schools, build churches, establish mission centers, reestablish the Great Commission as a priority in Protestant Christian churches. His first decade of ministry would be seen in his day as a major failure, but he persisted in the mission. Tens of thousands came to know Jesus Because of this man's tenacity, he is not only the example, but he is also the missional man of persistence. I thought about the Apostle Paul. He said, five times I've received 40 lashes minus one. And he lists this, this list of heartache, shipwrecked day and night, stoned, beaten with rods, sleepless nights, hungry, thirsty, cold, 
2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 27. The Apostle Paul persisted too. Never perfect, but always persistent. Today, in a Western tradition, if you are not of a Jewish ancestry, then knowing Jesus is likely traced back to this one man's persistence to proclaim the gospel. The apo- we are building on the back of the early apostles, including William Carey. That's why we know Jesus. And here's the point. Be tenacious. Be persistent in ministering to those around you. Get a rhythm for your life. Do something. Try, fail, try again. Persist in your efforts. Remember that it is most likely that unseen fruit is simply the seeds of the gospel taking root. Number two, what can we learn from William Carey's life? We can learn that calling is over qualification. William Carey was so unqualified. And his expected outcome so undermined that the historical theologian Timothy George described him as lone, little man. He was a lone Little man. His resume would have read, education, minimal. Degrees, none. Savings, depleted. Political influence, nile. References, a band of country preachers on the other side of the world. A hiring committee would have not even looked seriously at his candidacy. See, the Human Resource Office would have deleted his LinkedIn application. William Carey didn't look like much. He was a long shot from worldly perspective. And Carey agreed concerning his call, and he wrote in a letter, I see more of my own insufficiency for the great work that God has called me to do. While I, in short, compare myself to my work, I sink to a point, a mere despicable of nothing. If it wasn't for his qualifications, then what was it? Carey was not impressed by himself, but rather convinced of his calling. And this is a key for me and you. This attitude of humility compared to the mission to which he was called to is found throughout his life to the point that he had written on his tombstone, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm. On thy kind arms I fall. See, Carey was driven by the Great Commission. Carey was able to overlook his own lack of qualifications and strive toward the calling of reaching the unreached with the gospel. And this is why I love William Carey. I quote, the commission is a sufficient call to them to venture all. And like the primitive Christians, we need to go everywhere preaching the gospel. End of quote. He got out of his bubble. His heart's desire was to reach the unreached. According to the Joshua Project website, there's 16,587 people groups in the world today and over 40% of them are considered unreached even in the 21st century how much work do we 
have to do. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't look at their qualifications and their giftings and their calling. See, compare. When you compare yourself to other people, you kill your calling. But when you look to Christ, suddenly you're revived to personal revival and regeneration. The weakness of William's qualifications only amplified the great way God used Carrie. See, his life echoes Paul's own exhortation from Jesus that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the weakness of Carrie and the weakness of Paul is to see the strength of Christ shine through our own lives. And here's the point I'm trying to make. God's call to reach those around you never depended upon your qualifications in the, pers- in the first place. See, do you have feelings of insufficiency flooding your mind? Do you fear that during this time you won't be able to reach your family and friends or even your neighbors? Are you concerned that you won't be enough in your life? Let me encourage you if so. You might be right, but your calling is enough that you're not enough in life is more plenty enough for God to use. See, God is the God of what's left over. And his calling in this time never changes. But how he uses you may. See, William wrote his story. Now you're writing yours. It's time to flip the page. And for me, this is exciting. Number three, we have to choose faith over feelings. Faith over feelings. Carry clung to his faith when feelings of doubt crept in. As we read his autobiography, one of the best parts of Kerry's life is the humanity in which he wrestled with his calling. Routinely, he dealing with defeat. He often felt the pangs of depression spear his soul. He felt alone, afraid, even unfruitful during some of the most fruitful times of his ministry. Imagine that. Beyond this, he shows that what he did to battle these feelings. See, he was human, just like me and you. But he was not helpless. He fought these feelings with faith. And we need to learn how to do the same thing. We need to learn how to comfort ourselves through the Word. For example... The year he set out for India, Kerry writes, Nothing new. My soul is in a place of general barrenness and unfruitfulness. See, he was always yearning for something more. I quote, Yet I find pleasure in drawing near to God and a peculiar sweetness in His Word. I find it more and more to be a very precious treasure See, no matter what, where Carrie was and no matter what Carrie was doing, the word was enough. Just as the Apostle Paul found comfort in his faith to battle his feelings of weakness, Carrie found comfort in his feelings of weakness by drinking deeply from the truth of God's word. A scholar wrote, What was Carrie's resource? 
His weapon was love, and his desire was to bring the light of God into the darkness with a strategy to proclaim life by his lips and his letters of unsearchable richness. Hallelujah. Carrie truly, deeply believed in God and his call to get the gospel to those who did not know. And today, as we look back on his life, we know what he spent his time doing because he continued to live, speak, and write so that others would know Jesus. Even when Kerry was personally enduring extreme difficulty, he was famous for saying, when I'm gone, say nothing about me. Say everything about my Savior. Even while dying, Kerry pointed to his faith in God. And even today, we point in retrospect as we live knowing that there are people blinded by present darkness and we have the light. So what? Here's the point of all this, dear Christian. Tenacity may be your best quality in this season. Tenacity. The kingdom of heaven suffers suffers violence, but the violent take it by force as you fight your feelings. When you combat the enemy, persist. Don't grow weary. Come on, don't give up. Even when you even when you rise up and what you felt like you were called to do doesn't work. For the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Do you know the difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man? The only difference is the righteous man gets back up. So if you are feeling overwhelmed and unqualified during this time, cling to God's call. You are the person He has called you to be right now, in this time, to His people, in this pertaining situation. You have God's hand upon you. While washing your hands for 20 seconds, no matter what you do from this point forward, Come on, riding down the road. I don't know where you're at right now. You could be sitting on the sofa. You could be in your recliner being rejuvenated. You you could have your hand to the plow. You could be working. I don't know. But listen, recite Carrie's famous words. Don't forget this. Attempt great things. Expect great things. Your hands will be clean and your soul will be ready for the new approach to missions that God has given you. Two-thirds of God's name is go. God is calling us to go. This program was made possible by the generous partners and friends of Chance Walters Ministries International. Until next time, we are on the Revival Road. For more information, download our free ministry app or go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. Indeed, the best is yet to come.